The Baltimore Ravens are gearing up to face the Cleveland Browns in a huge week four divisional matchup. Again, to the biggest matchups, the biggest storylines, and key predictions coming up next on this crossover Thursday edition of Locked On Ravens. You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher. Ravens, we're here with you on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for being here and making us your first listen each and every day here on the show, free and available all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Price Picks. The easiest and most excited way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepicks.com slash lockdown NFL and use code all lowercase lockdown NFL for a first deposit match. Up to $100. We are a five-day-a-week now, even more, Ravens podcast, doing live streams in five days a week, consistent Ravens shows Monday through Friday, so Ravens news, analysis, updates, and so much more. We have it here for you. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube if you want to see the video version of the show in audio form as well, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc., if you want to see the just the audio version, want to listen to that. It's the same show, audio and video, so you're not missing out either way. You can also subscribe over on Subtext for exclusive content, one-on-one text conversations, and a lot more are going to be rolling out on Subtext there. And that'll be in all caps in the description below if you want to support me and support my work, which would be great. So tell a friend, tell a family member we're here on Locked on Ravens for that Ravens content. But here today, we're doing a crossover Thursday, week four, with Jeff Boyd of Locked on Browns. The Ravens facing a huge matchup in Cleveland against Sean Watson, Miles Garrett, and those Cleveland Browns will be talking storylines, matchups, predictions, and a lot more. So get into it now with Jeff. Jeff, we got two teams atop the AFC North and the Ravens and the Browns, both two and one. This is a key point in the season already. It's only week four, but I think both teams have been trying to prove themselves and now a head-to-head clash, two very good defenses. Cleveland's obviously being the best in the league right now in, in multiple facets. Both offenses trying to show some stuff as well. I mean, I'm excited for this one because I think it's going to be a great divisional matchup. Uh, well, you look at the AC overall, obviously one game separates the four teams at this point. Um, I think that's pretty much kind of what everybody expected. It was going to be kind of tight up until this point. Um, for the Browns, it's just really, it's been all about the defense. Um, and, you know, the way you look at the numbers and, you know, oh, the Browns are giving up 10. No, the Browns defense is giving up six points a game. They've given up 18 points through three games. This unit has been ridiculously good to this point. Defense coordinator Jim Schwartz, when he got here, there were a lot of questions asked you know the Browns had coverage gaffes in years past under the Joe Woods regime and he said well from what I see I see some guys that I'm just going to let go out there and basically do their thing and we're going to play man-to-man coverage um but a lot of what Jim Schwartz believes is I can make my secondary look great because if I have the defensive lineman I want my secondary most likely is not going to be a factor and through mostly here through three weeks that has been just the case um you know joe burrow in week one obviously was you know not able to get anything going uh week two other than a big uh little coverage lapse obviously george pickens had a big 72 yard touchdown last week same thing for ryan Tannehill, whether it was you know getting harassed by the defensive lineman or miles garrett just driving andre dellard right into ryan Tannehill's lap there was nothing he could get going uh so it's been really really fun to watch and it's just the lengths that they can go and the things they can do now you know miles garrett everybody always thought hey you could just move him here there's so much you could do with him but the point is is if you don't have other guys who can win on one-on-ones and this was the case for years, 
it doesn't matter what you do with Miles Garrett because if, if you commit two to three people, but now, okay, so you put Sedaria Smith over a left tackle. You put Ogbo and Karanko over a right tackle, and Miles Garrett basically says, I'm going to pick the weakest link and shoot that gap. It's, you know, it, it's a fun concept to have when you have this type of talent that they do right now. Um, and the secondary obviously has played lights out. Denzel Ward's been outstanding. You know, a lot of people talk 2022 was maybe a down year for him. Um, you know, he did miss some time, you know, late in the summer, had some people nervous and why he was even playing. Why is he playing? Because he had a down year in 2022 and he you know, wanted to make sure he was ready to go. And he's been fantastic. Uh, you know, Newsom, Emerson, good. The safety has been fantastic. Thornhill, obviously Grant Delpit, one of the best safeties in the NFL right now. The McLeod signing was a great, great addition to bring a veteran presence in here, familiar with Jim Schwartz's system. The linebackers, same linebackers as last year. They're playing a lot better this year. You want to know why? Because they're kept clean. It's very, very simple. You know, as long as you keep your linebackers clean, it's a lot easier to run around and make tackles and make plays. And that's what they've been able to do this point. Offensively, the biggest storyline. And this is where the misconception came. And this is, you know, and you know, Kev, we did a AFC North show. Everybody with, you know, with the just assuming Deshaun Watson. I never thought it was a question of, you know, if Deshaun Watson was going to return. My question was when. And with the chips down, a number one, the loss against Monday in Monday Night Football against Pittsburgh. And factoring in, now you got to go play your next game and you don't have Nick Chubb anymore. It was like, wow, this is, you know, this is basically put up or shut up time. And he went out there, had his best game, obviously, as quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, 27 to 33, nearly 300 yards, a dagger, uh, 43 yard touchdown late in the game, you know, basically to seal this, you know, game that was, you know, getting away from the Tennessee Titans already. Um, I think. For Deshaun, this is the moment where it's just going to go back to being what he was. And whether or not he becomes a top five quarterback again, I don't think the Cleveland Browns essentially even need him to the way this defense is playing. And they play well on special teams, obviously. Their kicker situation is now straightened out. I think for him mentally now it's okay. It's it's a woosah moment. I'm good. I'm I'm back in the groove here. You know, this is my team now. This is my offensive system now. These are my skill skill players now. And everything's just flowing much more much better obviously there's big games coming baltimore this week then they go to the bye and then they got san francisco so much was made about this browns beginning schedule this first five and look possibility to go three and one possibility to go three and two over this five game stretch that would be really really huge for this franchise which is going to get some easier games coming down the schedule afterwards and for the ravens you know a quick little overview of what's happened for them so far Week one was the Texans. They a little bit of an iffy first half, seven to six Ravens at halftime there, but the offense made adjustments, figured it out. Week two was that Bengals game where they go into Cincinnati with a bunch of guys hurt. They lose Odo Beckham Jr. mid game and they pull out a big win against the Bengals offense that just hasn't really looked right so far through three weeks. And then that Colts game was the big disappointment where it was a game the Ravens probably should have won, but four straight drives in the late first to a whole second quarter with four fumbles. You know, that that can't happen. They miscommunicated with Zay Flowers on a two-point, or not on a two-point, but on a onside kick where, you know, like the free kick after a safety, and the Ravens end up, you know, really having to figure out how to grind out a game. They should have been in a position to win much easier than they did, but, you know, they the refs end up blowing a couple calls, and we don't, you know, we don't use referees in this cues. They shouldn't have let the game get to that point in the first place. But... The Ravens could be 3-0 right now, but the fact is they didn't play enough to be 3-0. So they're 2-1 and and now in a position with Cleveland in this game. But I think when you talk about a big storyline, Jeff, for the Ravens, it has to be injuries. And it, we've seemingly, for all of this, for four years, we've been talking about the Ravens and how injured they are. <laughs> Com- combined between the practice squad injury report coming out on Wednesday, injured reserve, and the NFL list, they have 21 players on there. And it's week four. We are not even a month into the season yet, and we're already back to where – we were 
with the Ravens and their injury woes from last year, from two years ago, from three years ago. Guys like Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, Odell Beckham, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Williams, J.K. Dobbins, Odell. You know, there is so much that that's being left out of the field right now. Now, there were a couple of positives from practice on Wednesday. Marcus Williams comes back. Ronnie Stanley, Tyler Linderbaum, and Gus Edwards all came back. I don't know if that means they're all going to play this week. There might be some ramp-up period. I mean, getting Ronnie Stanley back would be huge against Miles Garrett. And, you know, who knows where Garrett lines up. I don't know if Baltimore's going to have two tight ends following him all across the field like the Titans <laughs> did in that game. But regardless, having Stanley back would be huge. Maybe Marlon Humphrey comes back from his foot injury. This is kind of around the time people expected him to come back. He'd be big to have against Amari Cooper and some of those Browns other wide receivers. But the fact that we're already here is, I think, disheartening for a lot of people because seemingly for the fourth straight season, there's been so much potential around this Baltimore team. Not that they don't have potential right now, but at this point, you know, these injuries, at least the silver lining, is that not a lot of them are season-ending. J.K. Dobbins tears the Achilles. He's down for the season. But other than that, you're expected to get a lot of these guys back, whether it's in the next couple of days, couple of weeks. It's not like they're going to be out for a couple of months or the whole season. So that, at least for me, is a silver lining. But that has to be the biggest storyline. But what about Cleveland, Jeff? What's their injury situation looking like? Um, well, I mean, the Browns right now are going with a lot, a smart approach. Like Joe Batonio, like it's to the point now where Joe Batonio doesn't practice on Wednesdays anymore. And, and God bless him. Obviously, 10 years in the league, the guy deserves it. Um, as far as, you know, guys missing, I mean, Kareem Hunt was banged up. Obviously, you take your first hits in, you know, nine and a half months. You know, it makes sense. Your first football game, you're going to, you know, obviously not come out for practice on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, look, everybody knows Nick Chubb and news obviously got exponentially better last Saturday where they believe it's only an MCL, which I got to be honest, you know, I, I'm going to wait till everything I hear after surgery because it blows my mind that it could possibly just be an MCL. Um, you know, it, it still, you know, but obviously Nick was such an important part of this team. Um, and this is where it's going to be interesting, obviously, you know, because health-wise, they're in a really, really good spot. Greg Newsom missed last week, but he was back at practice today. Um, Siaki Ike is back at practice. He's just not been to the point where they're ready to activate him for game day yet. This is the embarrassment of riches the Cleveland Browns have right now on the defensive line. Um, but the thing and what seemed to work well on Sunday for the Browns is is a rallying cry for Nick Chubb. Um, you know, when you have a guy like that who is such a dedicated worker um, and basically just stands up basically for the company and the team every single week, you know, he's missing, you know, it has guys go the extra mile. It has guys give a little bit more. And, you know, that's what we've gotten to see at least through one week without Nick Chubb. As far as the on-field product, I mean, it's still going to be remain to be seen what exactly they do here. Cause this was a team that had 20 to 25 touches per week figured in for Nick Chubb. You know, there's plenty of skills still here, but you're going to do different things. Like I'm sure the Tennessee Titans spent all week getting ready to watch Jerome Ford, the former high school wide receiver lineup as a wide receiver, run a sluggo. And wide open in the end zone and everybody on Tennessee, like, well, that wasn't in the scouting report. Yeah. And I think that with the Ravens and the Browns in this game in particular, I think guys are going to have to step up. Maybe these unheralded heroes and unheralded players that maybe weren't expected to get all these touches early in the season, but injury is an opportunity. We'll have it be that way. And coming up in the second part of the show here on Lockdown Ravens and Lockdown Browns, we'll be getting into the biggest matchups for both Baltimore and Cleveland. So be sure to stay tuned. Planning to get to on both Lockdown Ravens and Lockdown Browns. But first, this episode of both Lockdown Ravens and Lockdown Browns is brought to you by Harry's. And there are so many people you could shave for, whether it's yourself, your partner, your kids. A great shave can make you feel great too. Confident, clean, young. I mean, I don't have I don't have too much going on right now, facial hair wise. I see Jeff Jeff's got a little something something going on there with with the facial hair. But with Harry's, the Harry's trial set is great because 
the packaging is great. The razor is awesome. And the quality of the shave, you know, you can't get better than Harry's. The starter set is a $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. It includes a five blade German engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. You can schedule delivery for refills as low as $2, half what you pay for the other blades. And Harry's makes the skincare products that will give you the best shave ever. So creams, washes, lotions that will keep your skin healthy and hydrated. Also, blades made in their own factory in Germany that stay sharp. And guys who've tried it, they say their eighth shave is pretty much as sharp as their first. They have sleek, weighted handles that look great in your bathroom and give you precise control with each wipe. And there's no reason not to try Harry's. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry and they're still offering an over trial don't like your shave no worries it's on them get your best shave ever this summer with harry's razors and getting their products get a 13 starter set for just three dollars at harry's.com slash nfl that's harry's.com slash nfl for three dollar starter set we're back here locked on ravens locked on browns kevin ostriker jeff lloyd still talking with you big divisional week four matchup for the ravens and the browns both at two and one and looking to take sole possession or at least part of it depending on what happens with pittsburgh possession of first place in the afc north and the biggest matchups there are a bunch of them jeff for me i think i'll start and say miles garrett versus this baltimore offensive line the browns front honestly versus the ravens offensive line which i think you know we kind of talked about it off air a little bit and during the show already i thought andrew barry and the browns staff did a great job of getting this browns front to where it needed to be in the offseason not only do you now have miles garrett who's been the best at his position and one of the best defensive players in the NFL for years now. But you bring in Zedarius Smith, who is an old friend over here in Baltimore. You also have the Dalvin Tomlinson edition, the Shelby Harris, and getting these guys in position to, you know, Okoronkwo has been great for them too. You have to be able to have depth and quality, and the Browns now have both that on the front. Now the Ravens, depending on who they get back on their offensive line, Ronnie Stanley comes back. Great. Tad Linderbaum comes back. Great. Sam Mustafer is a replacement for Linderbaum. He's actually been pretty solid compared to what he was in Chicago. And maybe that's just he got out of Chicago and that's all it really took. But <laughs> then you also have Patrick McCary, who I think it might have been Miles Garrett, who called him one of the best tackles in the NFL a couple of years ago when I think McCary was filling in at right guard. I can't remember if it was Garrett or not, but I think somebody said that. And he's proven to be a pretty fine replacement option for Stanley. Now, obviously, Stanley, you want him out there. And Linderbaum, you want him out there. But against this Browns front, the key is to keep Lamar Jackson upright, keep him in the pocket, throwing that football. And I know a lot's been made about, hey, you know, teams trying to find these defensive Lamar Jackson stoppers. I mean, for a lot of people, JOK in Cleveland has been, oh, well, this is the the matchup that you put out there. And he's the guy that, oh, can match Lamar. And I don't think anybody can quote unquote, like match Lamar, but you can put a guy out there who has speed and can make life a little more difficult for him. And I think Cleveland's defense if they can get pressure on Lamar Jackson, Lamar's always going to escape. Like there are going to be plays there on any game where he is. I mean, obviously the Cleveland game a couple of years ago, that remember that ugly, ugly game where Lamar escapes, throws the ball to Mark Andrews, Clowney slams his helmet, Garrett shakes his hand. You're always going to have that, but there are going to be plays where if the pressure just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming, we saw against the Colts, Lamar had some trouble when Gus Bradley started to blitz him, throw started to go behind receivers a little bit. So I think the Ravens offensive line picking up blockers, identifying blitzes, and for Lamar Jackson making the right decision when the pressure comes or Garrett beats his guy, that to me is huge. This is one of the things actually I talked about when uh, we did the crossover uh, you know, with Jake from the Lockdown Bangles show. This might not be the best week to come back, and that's what I – kind of said to him about Joe Burrow this might not be the best week to come back for these guys you know look even even if they come back they're not gonna be 100 and look you 
know, very few players take the field in an NFL game at 100%. But there's Browns defensive line right now, and it's, it, it, the Browns will go wherever they think the weak link is. Um, you know, last week they were taking their defensive ends, and they went right after the Tennessee Titans on the left-hand side. And there were times where it was, you know, Garrett lined up on the guard with Darius Smith on the outside. Garrett on the outside, open up. And they just – they continue – to mix up their looks. And the problem with doing that is, is everybody kind of gets tired because the more defensive ends and basically edge players you can get on the field, you know, you can take the pounding of going, you know, 300 pounds on 300 pounds. When you're, you know, 315 trying to chase a guy that's 275, it, it just creates, you know, really, really difficult times. And this has kind of been the case of what's going on here. Um, you know, Marlon Humphrey coming back. Look, if he wants to take another week, I'd be happy with that. Um, because you know, he's always kind of been a thorn in this team's side. Um, but that's also now the thing with Lamar is now you're bringing up JOK. This has kind of been something new now, and we've been screaming about this for years, you know, with the Browns with Grant Elpin. Everybody thinks great safeties and they think safety on the roof. That has never been what great made Grant Elpin a great player at LSU and where he shined. And obviously, I know you've seen it, and obviously, there's been some good Grant Elpin games. There was that. Was it four drives in a row a couple of years ago where it was interception, 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 back and forth between Lamar and Baker? Obviously, Grant Telpit was a big part of that. The Browns now in nickel and even dime situations, Grant Telpit is taking linebacker reps. His interception on Monday Night Football against Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett looked at him and said, all right, he's going to drop with Fryermouth. He did. He took the flat. Kenny Pickett threw it. Grant Telpit baited him in the throw in the interception. They are taking what they think their players do best and having them do that. In Joe Woods' system, they were taking players and saying, well, you're going to do this. John Johnson III was a great player in his time with the Los Angeles Rams. The only time he was ever good for the Cleveland Browns is when they got creative with him. They tried to make him a traditional free safety. He wasn't athletic enough. It didn't work. This is not something Jim Schwartz is going to do. He's going to look at a player and say, he's good at this, he's good at this, he's good at this. He's never going to do, like, if you give the three negatives, it doesn't matter because they're not going to ask those players to do those things, which is – what you do if you want players to be successful play to their strengths obviously not to their weaknesses um the thing is it's going to be weird because i think the ravens are probably going to be more what the browns are used to probably at least this week than maybe before the second time they meet because i think we're in this weird spot where it's going to be the lamar show you're not going to get to see what lamar did against the Bengals because you know even with the Browns offensive line, you don't want Lamar sitting back there all day, you know, trying to make it rain like he did in Cincinnati. And for those who didn't realize Lamar Jackson could throw like he did, you're all a bunch of fools. That's what he did in Louisville. That's just what Baltimore didn't do with him early in his career. He is a traditional quarterback. He can do all of those things. But I think they're in a tight spot right now where the running game maybe isn't what they were hoping it was going to be, obviously, this year, where it's got to kind of all be on Lamar again. And is he capable of it? Sure, we all know it. We've all seen it. We're talking about a former league MVP here. But this was not supposed to be the Ravens that we were talking about. It was supposed to be more of, you know, Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, Bateman. But with all these injuries, you know, it comes back onto it. And for me, when we talk about these matchups, it'll never – I mean, it'll always be Lamar. But the second one I will always bring up and I'll forever bring up is Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews basically has an all-pro Hall of Fame resume against playing against the Cleveland Browns. He has decimated his team. Too many times that I can even continue to talk about. He's always the biggest threat for me when we played them all offensively, besides Lamar, because it's just been there. And you know what's coming. It's nothing different. It's either going to be a short scene or it's going to be a deep scene. And he has made a living on it against the Cleveland Browns. Um, 
And the Browns have not been tested much by any tight end yet to this point. So this is one thing that maybe I'm not saying it, it could be a weakness, but we don't know if it's a positive or we don't know if it's a weakness. Are they Have they changed their ability to shut down tight ends because they have not faced one yet to this point? So that's one I'm always concerned about. Um, Roquan Smith and you know the Ravens defensive line, I, I don't know what to make of the Browns running game right now. Obviously, look, we're one game in post-Nick Chubb for the rest of 2023. Obviously, Nick will not be here. Um, you know, where exactly are they as far as what they think Jerome Ford does best? Where We know what kind of what Kareem does best, obviously. Um, they do have this new element of Pierre Strong. They haven't really had a running back in the backfield that runs a 4-3 flat. So this is a guy they can try to find a way to get him a toss play in the open space and just let the Jets go. Um, but, you know, as far as that, you know, the Ravens have been pretty good last year, notwithstanding Nick Chubb had over 90 yards, both of those games, um, but he won't be playing. But it's going to be interesting. The Browns are going to have to run the ball somewhat here to keep teams honest, but we really have no idea what that's going to look like just yet. Right. And I know that in this game in particular, another thing I'm interested to see is, you know, if Odell can't play in this one or Sean Bateman in practice on Wednesday, too. So if those two guys can't go. Then Zay Flowers, who I think already has established himself as Baltimore's number one when he's healthy, when everybody's healthy, which is crazy because, you know, he's playing. He was the number one receiver the second they drafted him. Oh, I I think that, yeah, with Beckham and Bateman and all these guys, it it gave you the depth that you didn't have last season. And so even with Beckham and Bateman potentially down, Flowers is still, he's been great. Nelson Aguilar has been actually not bad. He's been actually a pretty solid addition for them. But then after that, you're kind of wondering, all right, where where are the other people? Devin Duvernay is still there. He can maybe make a play or two, maybe even in the running game. But to me, it's how does Cleveland defend Zay Flowers, which I think is super interesting. And that's part of what we'll get to in the key prediction segment coming up in the final part of both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns. So don't go anywhere. Still a bunch to talk about here on both shows. But first, this episode of both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Browns is brought to you by Prize Picks. And if you're looking for daily fantasy sports, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun so many people have had winning up to 25 times their money this football season. All you have to do is like throw more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and place your entry. They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. This week over on Prize Picks for the Ravens and Browns, maybe a project Lamar Jackson to go for more than his projected yard total, maybe for the Browns, Amari Cooper, if Marlon Humphrey doesn't play, maybe you have him go for more than his projected touchdown total. I don't know. Defensively, though, it could be a little bit of a slugfest depending on what happens. So maybe you go for less than the point amount. But Price Picks offers weekly promotions that lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday. Each Tuesday, Price Picks discounts like player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. And Price Picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to pricepicks.com slash LockdownNFL and use code LockdownNFL for a first deposit match. Up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash lockdown NFL. Use code lockdown NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Price picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back. Our final segment locked on Ravens, locked on Browns. Kevin Oshek is still here with Jeff Lloyd breaking down this Ravens and Browns big matchup. Again, this, you know, we could look back on this one, Jeff, by the time December, January rolls around and we might say, man, if only the Ravens won this one or if only the Browns won this one, it was such a big game. And for especially for divisional matchups where I think divisional record will have such a big impact this year, because as we talked about at the top of the show, all four teams could potentially make the playoffs. I think it's that kind of division this year. But when looking at predictions for this one, I want to start by looking at what each team has to do right in order to win this game. So from Cleveland's perspective, what do they have to do in order to make sure they can secure a win here in week four? Well, I mean, obviously, defensively, it's it's basically just keep the line moving here. Um, and the thing that's been so crazy about this is I don't think anybody thought 
any defense would come out of the box this quickly with all the newness they had. So yes, there's going to be bumps in the road and you know, they're going to take a couple shots to the chin here. Um, but you would think there's still the possibility of some improvement, which is crazy to say. Um, but you know, they've only played together three games. Um, so, you know, but obviously just keep the line moving and, you know, look, Lamar is going to be, you know, the toughest test to this point, obviously the most mobile quarterback they've seen to this point. Um, you know, and there's still that, you know, Hey, and he still is Lamar Jackson. It's a brand name that has not changed obviously for them offensively. It's look 27 to 33 last week for Deshaun Watson. Um, that is efficient football. This offense does not have to play like a top five offense. The defense right now is doing so much foundational work for this team that they don't have to play lights out on offense. They have to be efficient. They have to be smart. And they have six turnovers offensively through three games. That is not a sustainable pace. Obviously, granted, four of those were one game in the loss. And as far as, you know, your comment there before, the Ravens already have a letdown game that they lost. The Browns already have a letdown game that they lost. No team wants a second one. You don't want a second one, obviously. So this is a difficult spot for both teams with that. So continuing on offenses, look, Amari Cooper's been cooking right now. Um, but the thing is, it's really efficient. They don't have to feature him for 12 targets. He's had seven receptions both the last games. They're not featuring him with 12, 13 targets. They're getting everybody else involved, and the coverage gets lapsed, and they take their shots. Okay, we got a one-on-one. It's Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, against Last week it was against Christian Fulton returning off injury. Guess what? Those were great matchups because obviously we knew Amari was 100. We knew Christian Fulton probably was not 100%. Um, but they featured the wide receivers more last week. Obviously, five receptions for uh, Elijah Moore, three receptions for Donovan Peoples-Jones, a player had that and not been getting involved. Um, one to watch will be David Njoku. It's been really, really quiet for David Njoku thus far this season. Uh, the first game last year, seven for 71 against the Ravens. So he's had some good games against the Ravens in his career. Um, so they need to start just keeping – It's an, the Browns have to use everybody on offense because if they can continue to use everybody – you're keeping the defense honest. We've seen many times where the Ravens was, it was like, all right, we're going to take Nick Chubb away and you got to beat us with everything else. And the Browns weren't able to do that. This is the only advantage really the Browns get of no Nick Chubb is you can't key on anything essentially because you, you know nobody's getting anywhere 20 to 25 opportunities for the Browns. So you have to be really balanced. And as far as the Ravens defense, you have to maintain your eyes on everybody because everybody is capable of performing. But the problem is, is you can't just say, or right, well, we know it's, well, it's been five, six plays, 24 is getting the ball here any second. It's not going to be like that anymore with the Browns. So, you know, and for Deshaun, to his credit, and what he was really good at last week is what Baker Mayfield in his prime with the Browns was good with under Coach Stefanski. It doesn't matter who you are. Just find the open guy. Most likely somebody's going to be open. Just take what the defense gives you. Keep the line moving. Keep the chains moving. And that's how you beat good football teams. And for me, I think one of the sneaky things about this game, Jeff, is that we have the number one and number two rated pass defenses going up against each other. Cleveland is there at number one. Baltimore is tied for two with no Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams, which makes it, I think, even more impressive. Baltimore's even in that spot. But for me, what, what the Ravens have to do in order to win this game is just be less sloppy. And I think with the Ravens, stuff that's happened with them sloppy-wise, it's been different. Like in week one against the Texans, they had 13 penalties. And that's like an absurd number. It was, I think, tied for seventh in team history. Week two was a little better against Cincinnati where there were still some penalties, but it wasn't nearly as bad. And then week three, they only had one penalty for five yards. And you think, okay, well, an NFL team has one penalty for five yards. And like, that's a clean game. But again, it was the four fumbles and four offensive possessions, some bad decisions by Lamar Jackson, the coaching staff and more. So I think at this point for the Ravens, if you can just stop getting yourself into these self-inflicted wound situations and give yourself more of a shot, 
that to me, I think is where you start. Obviously, Cleveland is a much better team than the Colts. The Colts defense, I think, is, you know, underrated, but Cleveland is here. Like Cleveland's defense is here. They've established themselves and they're the best defense in the league right now. And I know, you know, Roquan Smith had some comments about, oh, well, it's only three weeks. No defense can be number one. But look, through three weeks, I think Cleveland has established themselves as that defense. So <laughs> Baltimore's defense is really good in its own right. I'm not trying to discount what they've done so far. Their run defense, you know, had a couple of lapses against Zach Moss and that Colts offense. So, again, against Jerome Ford, if Kareem Hunt's able to suit up and play in this game, you can't let them have those 20-yard bounce runs to the outside. You have to be able to get there and stop those runs there and essentially make the Browns' offense one-dimensional. And then, again, as I kind of talk about offensively for the Ravens, it's stopping Miles Garrett and just, I think, getting in a rhythm early, which is not easy against what the Browns have been able to do this year. As you mentioned, six points per game is... Very, very, very daunting when it comes to the Ravens. But Gus Edwards hopefully will be able to be back in this one. He exited the Colts game with concussion protocol, but practiced in full on Wednesday. So that at least is a very good sign that he's not concussed. If he isn't able to play for some reason and Justice Hill isn't able to play, you're looking at a backfield that goes from J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill to Melvin Gordon and Kenyon Drake which I think is a top five back room to a worst in the league back room. So <laughs> that's going to be very important. But Gus Edwards is a career five yards per carry guy. I'm excited to see how it ends up playing out for the Ravens. But all right, let's get to predictions, final scores. Jeff, who do you have winning this one and why? I just think things are going really, really well for uh, the Cleveland Browns right now. The Obviously, the advantage of playing this one at home, um, coming off the momentum of a huge, huge victory against Tennessee at home after you know the loss in Nick Chubb, basically circling the wagons, getting to see the best of Deshaun Watson in a Cleveland Browns uniform. Um, I, I think the momentum continues to grow here. The Browns get to go into the bye week um, and then obviously have to face one of the toughest teams in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers in week six. Um, I, I think they're going to continue the momentum here. Look, I think it's, it's going to be a closer ballgame than their first two wins. Obviously, Cincinnati and Tennessee. Uh, you know, I think some maybe some 23-16, 24-16. Um, I just think the Browns really have a really, really good, you know, momentum going here. And even the Ravens basically are going to get some guys here back. Again, I just think it's you know, for Ronnie Stanley to come back this week, for Lindenbaum to come back this week, you know, nobody wants to come back. You know, you usually want to come back basically, you know, against some soft toss, you know what I'm saying? A little batting practice. Um, you know, you're coming back against a defense right now that's just playing out of their mind. And, you know, it might be a really, really difficult spot for those guys to come back to. Um, and again, you know, even if, you know, maybe you get Gus Edwards, but maybe, you, I mean, with Bate, uh, Beckham and Bateman, if they aren't even on the field yet, and we're talking about a hamstring and an ankle, you know, you really question whether or not those guys are going to be able to go Sunday. And if that's the case, look, I love Zay Flowers. I think he's going to be a fantastic receiver. Um, but Denzel Ward's a good matchup against him. Martin Emerson can bully him. Greg Newsom has been great in the slot. So wherever you're going to put him, he's going to face a, he's you know, he's going to be the number one guy and he's going to face a top corner wherever you line him up, whether it's left, whether it's right or in the slot. So, you know, it does make for tough sledding for Baltimore. But then again, you know, number eight is this, still the show. He's still a star in this game. And when he's on the field, he's capable of beating any team in the NFL. But I think the Browns handle this one. For me, it's tough because Cleveland's playing so well defensively. The Ravens are still trying to figure things out on the offensive side of the ball, especially with a new system under another former Browns old friend and Todd Munkin. So <laughs> it's difficult to say, well, yeah, the Ravens are going to go out there and put up 30 on this Browns defense. I do not think that happens. I think what it's going to be is more of a grind it out, slug it out, AFC North defensive matchup game where it's going to come down to a player too late. When it comes down to a player too late, I'm going to believe the Ravens aren't going to have these massive multiple self-inflicted wounds. And I'll say it comes down to a Justin Tucker field goal. 
I'll say 20 to 19 Ravens at the end of the day. But regardless, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be an exciting game and could have really big implications coming down the line in the season. Again, we could look back in this week four matchup and say, well, man, the Ravens really could have won that one. The Browns really could have won that one. But either way, I, I both teams have paths to winning. But obviously, at this point, one team can come out on top. Unless there's a tie, and I just I cannot stand ties. So hopefully we don't go that route. But for Ravens and Browns, I think it'll be an exciting game. Jeff is great. Always appreciate him providing that Browns insight. And again, going to be, I think, a tough game. Uh, I don't want to say sloppy, but I think it'll be a game that's going to be like a grinded out type of game for both the Ravens and the Browns. But we'll see what happens. We'll see who ends up coming back for the Ravens injury-wise. But there was some good news injury report-wise for the Ravens on Wednesday. We'll see if they can continue to get good news on Thursday. But that's all I have for you here today on Locked and the Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow... We'll be wrapping up the week with more Ravens content, given our final predictions for this Ravens and Browns game and previewing it even more. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on Ravens.